I want to take us to John 15 in a little bit. Now, by the way, in case I forget at the end, I'm going to end this little series we've been in uh, in 1 John next week. So um, I'm, I'm training a young man to read the Bible for the first time. And I took him to 1 John. I said, okay, the Gospel of John's here, and 1 John's toward the end. So you might read through that. It's five chapters, doesn't take a couple of pages. doesn't really take but a few minutes to read. And we'll be there to kind of close out this series on love. And then when we, the next week, when we're fully into December, we'll uh, do a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks on um, um, kind of preparing us for Christmas. So uh, how many times do you think you check your phone every day? Isn't it interesting? My phone just wears me out. It, it just does things all the time. Okay, it's, it's linked to lots of stuff. And um, thank the Lord, I'm not one of those who, who where it makes a noise every time I get an email, or I'd really be in trouble. But certainly, texting, uh, you know, it makes noises when when that's going on. I've got a couple of pushes to um, news outlets, and it'll push a little thing, uh, you know, or whatever. Um, I, I I think I probably look at it more than I should. You know, um, do you get the reports like I get that'll say your FaceTime, your uh, screen time was up this week or down this week? Well, it's interesting to me. Uh, we're kind of getting used to that. How many Zoom meetings or other kinds of video meetings have you been in lately? John, you're smiling. Have you been in none? You've been in, you've been in mine a couple of times lately, but, but most of the time you've been uh, live. Is there anyone? Now, here's where I was mentioning Bill Parkerson. This is grievous to me, and I know it is to him. Is there anyone in your life right now that you can only connect with by text? And how is that working? It, it's, it, I've, I've got some guys that are going home to Europe for two months before we come back to school. I'll, the only way I'll have to connect with them uh, is by text. That'll be kind of frustrating. But I'm willing to try. I think Paul would do that, don't you? He'd use every means at his disposal. But the truth is that we are literally wired for relationship, and yet we need a different kind of connectedness than just more than my thumb. Okay? More than my thumbs. Now, um, Give you a little bit of background. John 15 is at the center of this farewell discourse that we've been studying the last couple of weeks. And um, it all took place. So from uh, chapter 13 through chapter 16, all of that took place as he was teaching during the Last Supper. Isn't it amazing that John remembers all this stuff even several years after it took place? Um, there's a lot of material in it, including today, that is unique to John. It's only in uh, John's gospel. The other, the other gospels don't, don't share most of this material. The content of these four chapters, did I do that right? 13, 14, 15, 16, actually five chapters. Um, uh, the content of that makes up about 17% of the total text of the gospel of John, even though the gospel of John is pretty long, 21 chapters. Okay, so... Um, um, so he's going to use, uh, he's going to set what we're dealing with today in the context of a vineyard, vines and vineyard. And uh, 
He's going to talk about things in that context. They lived in an agricultural um, society much more than we do, even though uh, even those of us who grew up in Oklahoma, okay, much more um, agronomy than we have here, even back in the day. And um, uh, it's interesting. Um, you know who planted the first vineyard? Anybody know? Noah. No, you, Dan, you get the gold star for the day. Noah. Well, it didn't serve him very well, did it? But, but at least not initially. Uh, back in Genesis 9, I think, Noah plants a vineyard and then enjoys it too much, a little too much. Um, but I, I think it's interesting. Uh, and, and then uh, the fruit of the vine after that has been prized and uh, um, thereby produced and was a source of sustenance year-round. So not just wine, but um, even if you read, uh, if you read First and Second Samuel, you'll read about cakes of raisins. So uh, that was one thing that they could they would dry grapes, and then they could eat on them all year. Um, that was before um, the little lady on the box, you know, and you send, you know they didn't have those. So they cakes of raisins. So um, that was something that would cause a grape to last for the year. Um, or until the next growing season. So it uh, became a kind of a source of, of sustenance. Um, one of the enticing descriptions of the promised land was grapes. You remember that? But there you go. And you remember the uh, kind of ill-fated spies brought back um, enormous clusters of grapes. By the way, I got that backwards when I was a kid. Did you? I thought it was clusters of enormous grapes. But I don't think that's right. I think it was enormous clusters of grapes. So you remember that? And they had to carry them on a pole. And, and I thought, well, they're great big grapes. What would you do with a great big grape? But um, uh, it was enormous clusters of grapes, not clusters of enormous grapes. I think I got that wrong back in the day. So anyway, you probably didn't. And therefore, you're looking at me like, what's wrong with this guy? Um, so um, vineyards was a, were a common sight. Uh, they likely went by a vineyard on the way uh, into the city to go to the upper room. They, they were pretty uh, out from town. They were pretty common sight. And so they knew about them. Um, Grapevines would be pruned severely at certain times of the year, leaving more, little more than just a leafless, branchless stump that would be propped up with a rock or, or a, a, a set of rocks. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, too. So, um, uh, and then they would go through a second pruning so that a less productive uh, vine could produce larger, um, um, larger and more... Um, and bigger clusters of grapes. So that's kind of, kind of the background of where we're going to be. Now, I want us to start verse 4 in chapter 15 of John. Steve, would you mind to read 4 through 8 as we get cranking? Remain in me, I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you're, you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not 
remaining, and he is like the branches thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What translation are you reading, Steve? Okay, because I memorized 7 and 8 um, years back in the NIV, and so the word remain is the word that's used in verse 4, right? Uh, I think, isn't it? In, now, in Old King James, it used the word abide, I think. Remember that word? Um, uh, in fact, I, I borrowed that word for the title of this lesson. I used to sing a duet with my dad, um, Abiding Love. Um, we, we did that song a thousand times. And uh, uh, so abiding, so the word abide is there. Uh, the word that I want you to put in your blank this morning, and we're going to talk about it a little bit, is the word staying. The key to fruit bearing is in staying. Now let's, let's, use, um, let's use a couple of, of passages to kind of uh, prop this up a little bit. Uh, would somebody jump back a little bit and read 1154? John, you get that one? Okay. Uh, somebody else, just one page, 1410. Dan, you get that one? 1410? Uh-huh. And then um, I, I think that, and then 831. Ron, do you get 831? Okay. So um, the same word that is translated in Steve's Bible, remain in me, okay, is translated in my Bible, um, abide in me. That's New American Standard. Uh, let's let, but this same word is used in these other passages. John really likes this word, stay. Okay. Um, okay. So who got eleven fifty four? Is that you, John? Where he stayed. In an older English version, it might say where he abided. Um, um, you see a little bit of a shading of difference, Steve, between stay and remain here. Okay. Um, uh, Dan, did I give you 1410? Yes. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Living in me. So the living, abiding, remaining, staying. Now, I begin to think about uh, one, one uh, definition would be um, found, I think, in the usage of it in 831. So I think you got that one. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Okay, so that word, if you abide, remain, stay, um, hold to, continue in, in 831. If you hold to, and so it's if you hold to, if you remain, if you abide in what? The Lord. Certainly the Lord, but in 831, it's what? It's my word. Catch that? In my word. 
Um, so the idea here is following him, living in him, staying in him, remaining in him means following this. Now, we're going to unpack that a little more as we go through, but, but I think we've got to kind of come to terms a little bit with that. The key to what he's going to ask you and I to do here in, in John 15 is he's asking them, as he uses this wonderful analogy, is fruit bearing is going to come from staying here, staying in him. All right. Now, staying connected is really not an option. So, so you've got to begin to see here one vine with many branches that came out of one stalk. Now, I did some, uh, uh, Rhonda will tell you, I can barely walk this morning because I did yard work yesterday for about a half a day. And so hold my feet to the fire on this. Check with me in the spring on this. So one of the things I did is I, instead of pulling out all of my lantana, which still, by the way, had some blooms on it, but okay, eventually lantana is going to go away. It's a hot weather thing. Uh, one of the things I'm trying to do in one of my flower beds is I cut it all the way back because the, the stems are like as big as my thumb. The, what was coming out of the ground. And it just it went crazy this year. I don't remember buying... I, I know there is, a, um, there is an annual lantana and there's a perennial lantana. I don't think I bought the perennial, but in the... In the case that I might have, I just cut it all the way back. I left about an inch. In fact, the rest of the day I was putting in some other stuff and I kept tripping over those stumps I left in there, stepping on them with my boot. So check with me about May and say, did they come back? I hope they do. If not, I'll just dig them up. But, but uh, So catch that picture here. Um, that there's not an option to fruit bearing. So, so you got these, these branches coming out of one stalk. The vine itself, that stalk, is the source of water and nutrients, food, those kinds of things. And so if when I spiritualize verse 5, and Jesus intended for us to, he never used an illustration he didn't intend for us to spiritualize a bit. Hold my feet to the fire on that too, but I'm, I think I'm right. He was the prince of parables, you remember? So if that stock is right, if my relationship, my connection with him is right, then fruit will be produced. It's just kind of natural. Okay? So what does that say? I'm, 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 I hesitate to do this, but I've got to do it. What does that say then if there is no fruit being produced in my life? Now, I'm going to define what fruit means here in a little bit. But if there's no fruit being evidenced in my life, what does that kind of imply? I'm kind of disconnected. And this chapter is all about connection with him and therefore with each other. So if there's no fruit being produced in my life... It's just interesting here. Look, look again at verse 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me, remember, lives in me, stays in me. He bears much fruit for apart from me. You can do nothing. By the way, there, there is a wonderful um, implication there too. If I'm beating my head against the wall 
and don't feel like I'm getting anything done. I realize that maybe I'm trying to do it on my own. Done that a lot in my life. Trying to do whatever, I, even good things, on my own. And if it's not bearing a whole lot of fruit, it's probably because I'm just doing it on my own. I'm not dialing into him. I'm not um, um, staying in him. I, I, I think of times in my life, I can go back and look at my journal, where I go for days without writing there. And if I were able to go back and look at my calendar on those days, I would probably realize that those are the days where I'm banging my head against the wall, where I'm working as hard as I've ever worked and accomplishing very little because I was disconnected. There's a positive thing there, isn't there? That I can be fruitful if I will acknowledge him, if I will stay with him, if I will remain in him, if I will abide in him. Now, would somebody go over to, we're going to catch him using this analogy in another place in the Gospel of Luke. Would somebody mind to go to Luke 3, 9? Steve, you go to that one in, in a second. The picture in chapter, in, in verse 6, is the picture of judgment. The picture here is not, that, I mean, they would use, as you and I probably would, they would use dried grapevines for firewood too, okay? They would use them to war for warmth, maybe for kindling. But this is not talking about that kind of fire, okay? Uh, Steve, read Luke 3, 9. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. If I'm not mistaken, in Luke 6, uh, I'm sorry, in Luke 3, Jesus is talking about the nation of Israel in context. And he's saying, uh, he's pronouncing judgment on the nation of whom he is a part and says, you know what? The ax is at the root of the tree. Now, what you need to understand in that reference and in the reference here in, uh, in John 15 is that the fire that's being created for these unproductive vines is not the kind of fire that you produce to make warmth in your home. What's being talked about here, and this should be more evident maybe to you than ever before, at least it is with me, because I've got stacks and stacks and stacks of limbs out in front of my house that I'm waiting for the claw to come get, you know, for that truck with the claw to come get. Uh, that Oklahoma City promises me is coming someday, right? Joanne, you got any of that stuff in front of your house? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. There's just a lot of it. I can't, I can't see the street from my front window because of that stack of stuff. But guys, that's not out there because it needs to be used for firewood. I guess it could. It's trash. I'm not going to use it anymore. That's the context of verse 6. As harsh as that is, this is about judgment. The fruitless will be taken to the garbage dump. By the way, how much are they saying we're going to have? 100,000 tons? Okay, that would make quite a fire. Rhonda, you talked about, are they going to chip it up and, and you know, will, none of us will have to buy mulch for the next 
10 years, but I don't know about that. Brad? Beef, you're one, it is pecan, and you're, so here's the context. So some of my limbs fell in my neighbor's backyard uh, um, that I had some guys help me get them over there so they didn't knock the fence down and hurt anything else. He's got several smokers back there. He's, he's, he's already stacked it up to, to use for smoking. You're right. So it is that use, but this is not that kind of use for heat, for smoking meat. This is garbage. What's in front of Joanne's house and my house? In verse 6. Judgment. Now, so verse 7. I'm going to use Steve's translation. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Is that a magical formula? I, I kind of kind of come to terms with that, don't you think? No. Yes and no. It's certainly magical. But not in the sense of you and I think it. This is not hocus pocus. Uh, so, it, the word if is in there. If I, then. But it, it's really in reference to a prayer, not magic. I think what it's saying here in context is, is if we are abiding, if we are staying, if we are living I'm not going to ask for things that are contrary to his will. So therefore, why would he not answer that? If I'm living in him and I ask him because he's already influenced that which I ask, then why wouldn't he answer that? A um, little bit tricky. So verse 8 is again talking about fruit bearing. It's, it's kind of a summary here. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. So following Jesus, I'm going to give you two words here. It's in this summary verse. A disciple here is a student of his. And I think he's talking about two different kinds of fruit. So a student following Jesus must involve that following, that verb, must involve both maturing and multiplying. I used to illustrate this in a, in a class that I taught at the university. It, it seemed like it would always come up about this time of year. So I'd always have uh, leftover trick-or-treat candy or at least I could buy it cheap. So I would buy packages of M&Ms for everybody in the class because I wanted them to catch the M&M. &M. Maturing and multiplying. That's what kind of fruit we're talking about. Now, now I've got to be honest with you. Another part of the illustration that I would use in class, they would be eating M&Ms while I'm trying to talk, right? And that's okay. But I would say, look at, before, you, before they're all gone, look at it. You know, there's not an M&M &M on an M&M. &M. It's just an M. Isn't that the problem? I know a lot of people who claim to follow Jesus who might be trying to multiply fruit in terms of sharing their faith with other people. But let me be honest with you. Sometimes kind of watching, 
There's no maturity there. And, and both are so necessary. So when I'm talking about maturation or maturity, I'm talking about what Paul delineates in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23 as the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Uh, which, by the way, if you look at those really carefully and you think about what those look like, they look like a portrait of Jesus. That's what he was. That's what he was like. Am I growing up? Am I maturing? Am I bearing fruit in maturity? And then, am I bearing the fruit of other souls? Multiplication. Wayne? I think it starts there. I really do. Um, I don't think I can grow apart from this group. I don't think I can grow apart from the vine that's the church, that's a representation of the vine of him. Yeah. But I realize also that I got to be committed to taking this every day and making it grow up in my life. And then what's going to happen? What's going to happen is he's going to, and then I'm just going to be honest with you, he's going to be, uh, he's going to float across my path. Guys like that was in my office one day this week who uh, is from Italy and he's going back there next week who just has never dealt with the gospel in his life. So we're reading the gospel of Mark and dealing with it. And we're going to do that, at, back to how I kind of started this, we're going to do that by FaceTime while he's in Italy for two months because I can't lose the time with him. We've just gotten started. But there's going to come a day, and it may have to happen electronically when I say, Indri, it's time to say yes to what we're talking about. Multiplication of my faith comes out of, is born out of, and maturing of my faith in fruit that Paul describes as spiritual fruit. Are you growing up? If you're connected with him, you will bear fruit, verse 8 says. It's just natural. You'll grow up. You'll be more mature. You won't act immature anymore spiritually. And you will bear multiplication fruit in your life, sharing your faith with other people. Okay, we've got to move on, but I could, I could spend a while on this, okay? Um, John, can I come back to you and have you read 9 down through 17? We'll kind of finish up the thought whether I get through with the outline or not. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. You will obey my commands. You will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friend if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last, 
Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Okay, he's going to begin in verse 9 with saying, just as. Okay, so I want to, I want to kind of modify that a little bit. That's what it says, at least in my Bible. Just like. So think about just like here. Just like my love that was given to me by the Father, I want you to have that for each for the other. Now, um, We've got to remember that the love which our love is based on is eternal. It's eternal. Um, scoot over just a page with me. 1724, in part of his prayer, he's going to pray, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Did you know that love never really began It's eternal. The Father has always loved the Son. He didn't just start loving the Son somewhere. It wasn't based on the Son's obedience. His love for you is not based on obedience. He loves you anyway. My obedience is based on my love to Him. And that's all predicated on this eternal love, just like What's the Father's love for the Son like? It's pure. It's eternal. It's got no start date, no end date. It never changes. It never fails. And Jesus is going to say, live like that. Love like that. So, I, I really believe that love is not earned if it's pure. Jesus always kept the Father's commands, but there's not here a progression from being obedient to being loved. He loves me anyway. But what Jesus is saying, I believe in context, is you will obey, you will keep his commands because he first loved you, not because it earns you his love. Now, that's interesting. I, I put some references here. We won't have time to run them today, but uh, in verse, in verse uh, 12, both Peter and Paul, I put some references to a couple of things from Romans 12 and Romans 13 and 1 Peter 1. Uh, both Peter and Paul reiterated this all-important command that's in verse 12. Um, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Um, it, it'll be in different words in Paul's writing. It'll be in a little bit different words in, in um, Peter's writings. So, so I want to say he's saying it to the original 12. Did his fathers get it? Well, we know Paul did. We know Peter did. We know John did because he's recording it here. And by the way, <laughs> you and I have got an advantage. They didn't get this teaching by reading the Gospel of John. Okay? Peter died before then. Um, Paul died before then. Right? They didn't read it like you and I can read it and, and apply it. Didn't have that chance. But they reiterated this all-important command. They, they kind of got it. This kind of love has absolutely no limits. And so he calls you a friend. Servant has a tendency to obey out of fear, but he called you a friend. We're all chosen for production. I'm just filling in your blanks so I can end this up. 
And then in verse 17, the last verse that John read, he um, reiterates the greatest command. This, this I command you, that you love one another. Well, you saw one at work if you watched football yesterday. Um, uh, what teaching, I'm, by the way, let me fill in your last blank. What teaching would, would John most remember from this evening? And a lot of it that he remembered, but he'd most remember the command to love. Love has no, that, that command has no ex, expiration date. It overrides everything else. Um, I didn't see this yesterday. I saw it lived out. Rhonda um, told me about it. She was watching something that I wasn't watching. And um, um, she talked about um, Tom Allen. You know the name, Tom Allen? Probably don't know it yet. You will. Um, the very effective uh, head football coach at Indiana University who came pretty close to beating Ohio State yesterday, and they haven't done that in 26 years. Okay. Uh, by the way, if they had, then Indiana uh, would have beaten this year Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State. Nobody's ever done that in a year. If they had won yesterday and they were seven points short of winning yesterday, they would have. Tom came on uh, in 2016 as a defensive coordinator in Indiana. They were hapless, not doing very well. Now they're four and one. They were four and zero oh up till yesterday. And if you ask Tom what the key is, he's gonna he's gonna rewind the clock back to when he became the um, the head coach. And he put in his first meeting with his new players, he put on the chalkboard on probably a whiteboard, and had emblazoned on T-shirts and talked about every time he spoke, he would say L. E-O. He'd end every talk with L-E-O. And they thought, who's Leo? L-E-O. By the way, if you, I just about bet you, because I did it this morning, if you Google L-E-O, it'll come up with Tom's name. And he talked about it and talked about it. He did press conferences on it. And he wore shirts that said Leo. And at the end of every team meeting, he said, now guys, remember Leo, L-E-O. And they would say, what in the world is he talking about? When he finally got down to it, he said, nothing matters. Your tackling doesn't matter. Whether or not you can run or catch a pass doesn't matter if you don't get this right. And he said this. Anybody know how I'm going to finish this? Tell them, Ron. Love each other. How about a football coach getting it? You know? I, I need to do more research because surely uh, Tom Allen knows Jesus. Uh, surely it makes you wonder if he's immersed himself in John 15. There is no more important thing that we can do than this right here. I encourage you to go on this journey with me. We're going to do one more week on love from 1 John, from some more of John's teaching. Have a great Sunday. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you get to be with some of your folks and eat more turkey than you're due and all that stuff. Okay? And I'll see you next week. <laughs>